Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Luke, chapter 18. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. A minister was passing through his church in the middle of the day, and he decided to pause by the altar to see who had come to pray. Well, just then, the back door opened and a man came down the aisle. The minister frowned as he saw the man hadn't shaved in a while. His shirt was kind of shabby and his coat was worn and frayed. The man knelt, he bowed his head, then rose and walked away. In the days that followed, each noontime came this chap, each time he knelt just for a moment a lunch pail in his lap. While the minister's suspicions grew with robbery a main fear, he decided to stop the man and ask him, what are you doing here? Well, the old man said, he worked down the, he worked down the road. Lunch was a half hour. Lunchtime was his prayer time for finding strength and power. I stay only moments to see because the factory is so far away. As I kneel here talking to the Lord, this is kind of what I say. I just came again to tell you, Lord, how happy I've been since we found each other's friendship and you took away my sin. Don't know much how to pray, but I think about you every day. So, Jesus, this is Jim checking in today. Well, the minister, feeling foolish, told Jim that was fine. He told the man he was welcome to come and pray just any time. Time to go, Jim smiled, said thanks. He hurried to the door. The minister knelt at the altar. He had never done that before. His cold heart melted, warm with love, and met with Jesus there. As the tears flowed in his heart, he repeated old Jim's prayer. I just came again to tell you, Lord, how happy I've been since we found each other's friendship and you took away my sin. I don't know much how to pray, but I think about you every day. So, Jesus, this is me checking in today. Well, past noon one day, the minister noticed that old Jim hadn't come. As more days passed without Jim, he began to worry some. At the factory, he asked about him, learning he was ill. The hospital staff was worried, but he had given them a thrill. The week that Jim was with them brought changes in the ward. His smiles, a joy contagious, changed people were his reward. The head nurse couldn't understand why Jim was so glad. When no flowers, no cards, no, no calls came, not a visitor he had. The minister stayed by his bed. He voiced the nurse's concern. No friends came to show they cared. None, nowhere to turn. Looking surprised, old Jim spoke up with a winsome smile. The nurse is wrong. She couldn't know that in here all the while, every day at noon, he's here. A dear friend of mine, you see, he sits right down. He takes my hand. He leans over and he says to me, I just came again to tell you, Jim, how happy I've been since we found this friendship and I took away your sin. I always love to hear you pray. I think about you every day. 
And so, Jim, this is Jesus checking in today. Don't you love that? Love that. It's one of my favorites. One of my favorites. So, in Luke chapter 18, just by show of hands, were you with me last week, Luke chapter 18? Okay, that's a good number of you. In Luke chapter 18, if you missed this teaching, you might want to stop by the bookstore today and pick up the CD copy if you like. But in Luke chapter 18, earlier last week we were talking about Jesus told us a parable of a widow who came to an unjust judge who didn't fear God and didn't care about what man thought of him. And she asked the judge to avenge her, but he would not. But she was persistent. Remember we talked about that? And she continued day and night and wouldn't leave him alone until he finally gave in. In verse 7 of chapter 18, notice, read it in your Bibles, it says, Will God not avenge his own elect who cry day and night to him? I tell you, God will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, chapter 18, verse 8, Nevertheless, when Jesus comes, will he find faith on the earth? That's where we left off last week. This week, we pick up. Another parable, got a pen, got a pad, got your heart? We pick up another parable, the parable of the tax collector. I've actually titled this sermon, Humble Pride, Humble Pride. Luke chapter 18, beginning, I better turn to myself. Luke chapter 18, beginning in verse 9. Saints, if you're looking at verse 9, say amen. Also in verse 9, he spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves, saying that they were righteous and despised others. Two men in verse 10 went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other, what saints, a tax collector. And the Pharisee, underlined this, stood and prayed thus, note this, within himself, God I thank you that I am not like the other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. Don't you get a sense of disdain there? You know, I'm not like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the tax collector, standing afar off, would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but he beat his chest and he said, God, Would somebody read it with me? God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, Jesus said in verse 14, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be what, saints? Exalted. Jesus tells us, stop right there, give me your attention. Jesus tells us that there were two men who went into the temple to pray. Now, first of all, I find it interesting, give me your attention, I find it interesting that God calls them what they are, men. They're only men. They're a man. I don't care what you do in life. I don't care how much money you have. I don't care how many degrees you have. I don't care if you're a doctor If you're a Harvard professor or you flip burgers at McDonald's, it does not matter. Listen to me close. When you come into the house of the Lord or you come into the presence of the Lord, it doesn't matter what you do. You are just a man. Amen, saints? It doesn't matter what you do. 
doesn't matter who you are. And that's the one thing I love about this church. Do you understand that this church, honestly, is very unique? It is. And people tell me that all the time. I'm privileged, blessed, honored to be the pastor of this church. Very unique church. This church is made up of all kinds of people. There are all kinds of people in this church. There are doctors. What I love about this church is doing worship. Like right now, you don't know who's sitting next to you. You don't not necessarily your husband. And maybe you don't know him. And, uh, <laughs> but maybe, you know, you stand next to somebody in this church. You could be somebody, they work at McDonald's, and, and, and the and person standing right next to them doing worship, and, and they're a doctor at Duke, a brain surgeon at Duke. It doesn't matter what you do. There are all kinds of people that go here. There's doctors, there's lawyers, there's Indian chiefs. Or maybe, I don't know, if you're an Indian chief, would you please stand? I don't know. But there's people that work at gas stations and people that are nurses and, and, and people that are, are fitness trainers and black people and white people and Asian people and African-American people and Hispanic people and cops and ex-convicts. If you're an ex-convict, would you please stand on your feet? But there's all kinds of people, and that's what is unique about this church. Honestly, we have people that go here. We, it doesn't matter what race you are. It doesn't matter what, what, what nationality you are. We come here to worship Jesus. I love this church because it truly is diverse. Black people and white people going to church together in the South, that is unusual, that is unique, and that is a blessing. Somebody clap your hands because that's the way it's supposed to be. Isn't that right? And, and, and when I first got here, I remember back in 1995 when I first got here, I heard about the, the church in Raleigh, and I heard that there was a first white church in Raleigh and that there was a first black church in Raleigh. And that white people, this is 15 years ago now, and that white people and black people didn't go to church together. And somebody once said that Sunday morning is the most segregated day of the week and 11 o'clock is the most segregated hour of that week. Because black people and white people don't go to church together. Well, I'm blessed to say that does not happen here at Calvary Chapel. Right, sitting next to you right now is probably somebody of a different nationality. Can you clap your hands better than that? Can you do that? It's wonderful. Well, because when you come into the house of the Lord, listen, it's not about you. Say a better amen than that. It ain't about you. Nobody don't care. We don't care. You know, some people get all dressed up, and people think, oh, I'm getting dressed up, I'm going to church. Nobody looking at what you got on. You're not that important. Aren't you happy you came to church today? You came to church to learn you're not that important. Nobody don't care. We don't care what you wear. We don't care what you have on. God doesn't care. God cares about what your heart looks like. What kind of, what does your heart look like? That's the important thing. We're all on the same level. When you come into the house of the Lord, we're all men. So these two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. Now for the Pharisee, listen, his prayer was a public performance. His prayer was a script. He would walk up front and stand in front of people in his flowing robe, and, and, and the words that he prayed were directed to men, not God. Remember in Matthew chapter 6, verse 5, you can write this in your margins. Matthew chapter 6, verse 5, Jesus said, And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues to be seen of men. 
Both went up to pray, and the Pharisee, did you get that? The Pharisee, in verse 11, stood and prayed to himself. Look at verse 11. And prayed to himself. Now, if you count the words of his prayer, of this Pharisee's prayer, and you count them in your own time, not now, because I'm preaching. But there are 33 words in his prayer. He said, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector, verse 12. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. The idea here, listen, is that he was praying, but God wasn't listening. Everyone else was listening, but God wasn't listening. He probably was praying long and loud. You ever be in one of those prayer circles? Amen. Hallelujah. Y'all pray for the pastor. You've been in the prayer circles, you're praying, and everybody holding hands, and y'all just, let's, let's pray. Everybody praying. Everybody, then you get to the one brother, and he's praying, and he's really getting into it, you know. And then his volume starts going up, you know. He starts praying louder and louder and louder. And all of a sudden, he, he's yelling. And you're, and you're, you're praying, you're trying to focus on God, but now he's screaming. He's hurting my ear. And then, and then you open up one eye. You'd be like, are y'all listening to what everybody here when I'm here? You know, he's starting to pray louder and louder. Listen, when you pray, you don't have to pray loud. Why? Because God's not deaf. Say amen, saints. God's not deaf. God's not hard of hearing. You don't have to pray loud. You can pray soft. Matter of fact, you can pray in your heart, and God can understand the prayers of your heart. Can somebody say a better amen than that? God can understand the prayer of your heart. You can even groan. The Bible talks about us groaning. You can even just groan. Now, parents, you know what I'm talking about. When you're praying for your kids, and you pray for... And you're praying for your kids, and you're like, Lord. Mm. <laughs> oh, Lord. God, I don't know if you're going to make it. And God takes that. And he interprets it. God understands. You see, God knows the, our hearts. God, God is not deaf. He, he knows the intent of your heart. So, 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 so this Pharisee, he's praying, but he's praying to himself. Now, let me tell you a little bit about Pharisees, in case you don't know. The Pharisees, they were this super religious group of men who were very careful to obey the Torah, which is the first five books of Moses, or the first five books of the Old Testament. The Pharisees also followed a book, if you're taking notes, called the Mishnah, M-I-S-H-N-A, the Mishnah, which explained how to obey the Torah. The Mishnah had, are you listening? The Mishnah had some ridiculous rules in it. Ridiculous. Like, for example, you couldn't look into a mirror on the Sabbath day because you might see a gray hair and be tempted to pull it. And if you pulled it, then you were working on the Sabbath day. In the Mishnah, ridiculous. In the Mishnah, it said that you couldn't wear false teeth on the Sabbath day because that would be carrying a burden. So that means some of y'all wouldn't be here right now. 
I'm not going to ask you to stand. And so, you could, if you had a prosthetic leg, you couldn't put on your prosthetic leg on, on the Sabbath because that, again, would be carrying a burden. They had many, many ridiculous laws. Then they also followed a book known as the Talmud, T-A-L-M-U-D, the Talmud, which was a commentary on the Mishnah. So these guys, they lived the book, but the book didn't live in them. So this man is praying basically to himself. Did you know that? You can be praying to yourself because your focus is on you and not God. You know, you could be praying. Actually, I've been in prayer groups where, honestly, in my spirit, I've known that person is not praying to God. They're praying to us, the people in the prayer group. You know, when you pray, you just talk to God. And by the way, you don't have to give God the details. God knows everything, so you don't have to give him the details. You hear people praying, Lord, I need you to, Lord, if you would help my brother. He lives at 1802 Greenbrier. Anybody heard prayers like that? Lord, he lives in, he lives in Apex. And um, Lord, he has a need, a financial need. Lord, would you help him with his electric bill? Father, Father, it, the bill is $82.06. <laughs> It's like you don't have to give God the details. So you're not praying to to God. You're praying to yourself. Your focus is on yourself. Your passion is for your agenda and not God. And your attitude is my will be done and not thy will be done. We've all been guilty of that. I'm guilty of that. Praying, Lord, I want my will to be done, not your will to be done. I call this form over substance. Form over substance. And unfortunately, listen, the church is largely caught up in form over substance. You know, you come to church and you got to look a certain way, you got to act a certain way, talk a certain way, you know, uh, walk a certain way. You know, to some people, you're not a real church. If talking about form over substance, you're not a real church if you don't have stained glass windows. Well, y'all notice around here, we don't have stained glass windows. Matter of fact, we have like one window. I think we, I like to have more, but that's all we can afford. And um, we've got, you know, one window. You, you don't have stained glass windows. Oh, man, you're not really a church. I remember I was trying to explain to somebody. I was, you're a pastor of a church? Yeah, where's your church at? Well, it's on Center Street, really. You know, you know well, where, where at? Well, if you're coming from downtown Salem Street, well, if you keep coming down Center Street, you know, then you'll see a dirt parking lot, and then you'll see two buildings. They'll go, no, those two buildings, no, that, that's, that's a business park. That's not a church. That's, that's, those are business offices. I go, no, 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 it really is a church. No, 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 those are business offices. No, I'm, no there is a church. I've been in that building for 10 years. I know what I'm talking about, miss. Oh, no, and then one time this person said, no lie, this is the truth. This one person thought our church was a nightclub. Honestly, thought our church was a nightclub. And the reason they thought our church was a nightclub was because, you know, we have our cafe in, in the front of the building here, and you have, you know, the bottles that you, uh, on, on the, the flavor, um, syrups, the syrups, yeah, I keep forgetting the name, the syrups, and it got the pump on them, so we used to have, like, all different kind of, I mean, we had, like, 12 bottles out, 12, 13, all kinds of different flavors, everything, you know, and, I, and, and, and we would leave them out, you know, overnight, clean up, and then leave them out. Well, people would drive by and see those bottles, and they would assume it was, like, a nightclub, so one person told me, they said, oh, that church, that, that, that church is a nightclub, I'm like, it's not a nightclub, they go, yeah, I saw all the liquor. No, I didn't say liquor. I said liquor. Man, I saw liquor. I'm like, hey, what, 
that's the church. We don't have, we don't have it. We have, I mean, we have, you know, communion, and even our communion is grape juice. It's not real wine. Like, like the Catholic Church is not real wine. I mean, sometimes I wish it was real wine, but I'm sorry. But it, 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 it's not real wine. And like, oh, well, oh, I thought it was a nightclub. You see, because we don't have stained glass windows. We don't have a, 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 a cross on, on the top of the, uh, on the top of the church. So form over substance. Some people think you're not a real church if you don't have, uh, you know, chairs that, on, on, the, on the stage. Or the big chair in the middle. And you got the little chairs. Anybody know what I'm talking Anybody know what I'm talking about? You got the big chair, and then you got the little chairs. And if you don't have the big chair and the little chairs, then, then, then you're not really a church. You know, I remember going to this one church, and I was speaking, and I was a guest speaker. And, you know, you know the pastors, you know, it was a, more of a formal church, you know. And the pastors, you know, you, you walk out together as the minister. So we're, we're coming out, you know. This is, this is the coming out to the pulpit minister walk. You know, so we were coming out, you know, and then they said, and as the guest speaker, you have to sit in the big chair. Now, let me tell you something about the big chair. The big chair is really big. This is a, is a huge chair. Anybody know what I'm talking about, the big chair? Okay, the big chair, the big chair. This is the big chair. So I'm coming by, and I'm, you know, I'm doing the minister's walk like everybody else, you know. And, and they said, well, pastor, you need to sit in the big chair. And I'm like, well, I don't really need to sit. No, I don't really. No, really, I'll just sit like right over here. They're like, no, no, sit in the big chair. In the chair. And I'm like, no, I'll sit right here. They're like, sit in the big chair. I'm like, oh. I'm like, okay, I'll sit in the big chair. And I'm telling you, the chair was big. I mean, I was like this big in this chair. This chair is huge. I mean, I'm, I'm like sitting in the, the, the arms of the chairs are like this. And, 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 and I'm, I'm like, like looking around. I'm like... I'm like, man, and then, you know, they probably thought I was some country bumpkin. I ain't been, they probably thought I was a new preacher. I've been preaching for 25 years. They probably thought I was a new preacher. I, the big chair threw me off. I was just like, man, looking around, I'm like, man, this chair is big. I mean, I, you know, it's like three people can sit in this chair with me. I mean, this is a really big chair, but some people don't think that you are a real church if you don't have a big chair, or you're not a real preacher if you don't have, you don't wear a preacher's robe. Let me tell y'all something. I don't have a preacher's robe. I don't even own a preacher. The only robe I have is the one I wear around the house. Now, I'd be happy to wear that next week if y'all like. Y'all want me to wear that next week? Y'all sure? Okay, I'd be happy to wear it. If you'd like me to wear it next week, I'd be happy to wear it. I'll come to church. I'll be up here worshiping. Yes, thank you, Jesus. Yes. No, no, I'm done. I'm done. You know, I'm so glad we don't have DVD, because that honestly can, should not be seen. And, but I, I don't have a robe. I don't have, I don't have a, a clergy collar. I really don't, because I, I understand that it doesn't matter. The robe does not make you a preacher. God calls you. God appoints you. God anoints you. God sends you. And that was what makes you a preacher. And God's not concerned with all these externals. I wore a robe one time. One time, I was telling them this last night's service. I wore a robe one time in my life at being a preacher where I was doing this wedding. And the father of the bridegroom insisted that I wear a robe. And, and he was insistent. And I said to him, I said, you know, I, I, I have a really, really, really nice suit. I mean, really, I've got a 
great, great, great black suit. I could just wear that. Look, no, 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 you have to wear a robe. And they, and they were in the flower business, so they had lots of flowers. They had flowers everywhere, flowers, y'all, coming out the door, coming out the front door. You need a weed whacker to get in the church. I kid you not. It's like, so he wanted me to wear this robe. So I finally said, okay, fine. I don't have a robe. He said, I'll get you a robe. I was like, dang. So he, so he, he says, I, I get your robe. He got me a robe. It was a beautiful crushed velvet robe. It was like a 75-year-old robe. The robe fit perfect. I looked in the mirror and I thought, I thought, man, you look great. You ought to start wearing a robe. And then, and then, and then I, I wore this robe. The one time I've ever worn a robe. I don't wear a robe, not because I don't have anything against the robe. I don't have anything against the big chair. You know what? Listen, God doesn't have anything against the big chair. You know why? Because his chair is bigger. So he, amen. Somebody clap your hands like you know what I'm talking about. God has no problem with none of these things. But what we do is form over substance. We think it's these things that make us who we are. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. Or you may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the media library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.